right, boys and girls? Episode 124 with Courtney Amberg is about to start, and we dive into a lot of stuff about body image, as I find that this topic has been really interesting the last year that I've been doing this podcast, and I've been asking every female coach on my show their take on it, and I always get a little bit of a different answer, and Courtney dives right in and tackles it like a pro, so let's get right into it, and let's not spoil anything in this intro, so here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is Courtney Amberg. Say hello. Hey, what's going on? So for the audience, I always like to break the ice with uh, everyone and ask my guests, what do you got planned for the weekend? Um, well, I have a couple of clients and I'm training tomorrow morning, but then I think we're going to do a little barbecue because it's supposed to be nice out here in New Jersey. Uh, probably one of the first nicer days. So we're going to like barbecue a little during the day and probably go to bed early. <laughs> nice. There you go. Yeah. Out here in Vancouver, we get rain all the freaking time. So when there's like sun, we take advantage of it as much as possible. Right. Um, so for everyone in the audience who don't know who you are, can you do a little intro and kind of tell them who you are, what you do and how did you get into this industry? Yeah. Um, so I'm a fitness and health and nutrition coach. Uh, how I got into it's a little bit backwards, I feel like, because, you know, growing up, I definitely was not athletic whatsoever. Um, I was more like that nerdy art, like artsy kid. I wanted to be a painter. So I played a couple sports in high school just because I solely wanted to like lose weight and be skinny. And then I went to art school and was like, I absolutely hate this. Like, this is not for me. Like, I cannot do this. Transferred on a whim for health and exercise science and absolutely fell in love with it. And it kind of snowballed from there. So I've been doing, um, you know, I started like most people do in like the big box gyms and then I did smaller studio stuff. And now I've kind of transitioned into in-home personal training as well as like moving into the online space where I do program writing as well as nutritional coaching through one-on-one coaching. And I have an eight week program that's habit based. So that's pretty much what I've been growing right now. Awesome. So are you completely online or do you still train some people in person? I'm like half and half. So half my time, like 20 hours a week, I'm training, I'm traveling all over the state of New Jersey, going to people's houses, having a lot of fun there. And then the other 20 hours, um, I'm doing the online stuff. Okay. Well, would you say you're more of like an extrovert or introvert? Because I'm kind of curious. I think growing up, I was more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. But because don't they have like those mixture ones where it's like you're an introvert in certain situations, but you're yeah. an extrovert in others? Like I'm definitely like an introvert, but like when I get around my people, like you can't get me not to be excited or not to like <laughs> have fun or be the person that's like let's dance or like let's start the party. So I think it, it, I'm a little bit of both if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I only ask because like you know the whole online coaching thing is getting really popular and everyone's kind of jumping on it. But sometimes, like, people need to take a step back and kind of, like, evaluate their own character. Because, like, if you're such an extrovert and then you're, like, only dealing with people on your laptop, you're like, oh, this kind of sucks. I kind of miss talking to people. And I think almost like now it's kind of a cool hybrid to, you know, say train 10 to 15 hours in person and then the rest is all online. So I was just kind of curious. Yeah, I completely agree. I remember when I first... 
I transitioned from my last previous gym to my new kind of gig that I'm in. And there was like a gap where like, I wasn't training anybody for a couple weeks. And like, I was definitely like, I'm going crazy in my house. Like I have no one to talk to. Like all my other friends are working their nine to five. Um, so I definitely feel like I'm that type of person that have, has kind of found the sweet spot. Maybe I'll do a little less in home training eventually, but for now it, it, it's a good, it's a good even kind of, uh, balance right now. Awesome. Um, so one thing I want to bring up is kind of your struggles through life. Cause I know on your website and everything you post, you're super open with what you struggled with. And I believe you had some body image issues and I would love for you to kind of like start this whole interview with just that. Yeah. Um, definitely. So growing up, like I said, like I wasn't athletic, I wasn't, you know, cool in any sense of the word. And I was listening to your like first podcast where you're talking about your story and it was like kind of very similar. Like we parallel each other a lot. And I, for, I don't know what, how I came to this conclusion, but I thought the reason why I didn't have friends or the reason why I didn't have close friends or the reason why I couldn't fit in like elementary middle school ish time was because of how I looked like that. I was, you know, 30 pounds overweight, that I wore glasses, that I wasn't attractive, like all these things kind of started to fester. And for a really long time, like that's the sole reason why I exercise. Like, I feel like a lot of women kind of go through that where they're just only exercising or they're only eating a certain way or a certain style because they want to quote unquote fix themselves or like fix their body. And that was me for probably up until maybe I was like 23. So not very long ago, like four years ago, um, I was constantly trying to like fix myself because the real reason, right. Cause we want to have better relationships with people. We want to, you know, fit in, we do want to be accepted and it through training and strength training and stuff like that has helped grow me so much, not just physically, but mentally. And that's why I'm such like a huge advocate of women like need to lift weights because it's not about necessarily always what it does to your body, which is fantastic things, but it's about that like mental toughness that it gives you and that piece of like accomplishment and like I am capable and like I know what I'm doing in this situation that just bleeds into every aspect of a woman's life or like of anyone's life really. But I feel like for women in particular, especially where I came from and I feel like a lot of people connect with that is we lack that feeling a lot or majority of people do, especially growing up. I feel like now in this kind of social media age, like it's so easy to compare yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can't, you can't think about anything else when you're like lifting, like, especially when you're like really pushing yourself, like it's all it is, is you and the bar, you and the dumbbell, you and the weight. And like, you're gonna come out of this challenge, a stronger person. So in your opinion, what do you think kind of like stems that feeling for a lot of women where, you know, they get to a certain age and they just start noticing that, oh, I need to fix myself because I'm not good enough. Like, where do you think that comes from? To be honest, like, I'm not 100% sure. I think it's really easy to kind of point the finger at, like, media and mm -hmm. you know, movies and all that stuff. And I think that definitely has a part to play. Um, but I don't know because it's like a cycle. Like, we've created that. Our society has created that. So somewhere deep inside, we've wanted that because that is now what we're getting back. Um I don't know. Like that probably is kind of where it stemmed from for me. I think it just kind of starts when you're younger and you just 
come become aware of yourself more like that age where you're like, now you're like noticing like, Oh wow, I am different or wow. I don't look like that person. And I think you then start looking for it more and more. And then it's easy to see in the media because it's going to pick at all of your insecurities. Like that's what half of the diet and nutrition stuff is that you'll see on Facebook or on TV. Like they're just picking at those little things that are like, yeah, that's what's wrong with me. That's what's wrong with me. I need to fix this. And this is what I need to do to fix it or whatever product they're selling. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's one of those questions, like everyone's going to have a different answer and I don't think there is a right answer. It's just curious to like, I'm really curious about it because, you know, I primarily train all women and no matter what age they're at or no matter where they are in their life, they'll always say negative things about their body, even if they're fit. And I'm like, where does this all come from? Like, I'm like, I want to figure this out because it bugs me so much. But yeah. um, it's like, crazy. And I think it's also like part of how we were like if, for example, like in school, like I always remember, like I was the, like a, the nerdy kid, the good kid that always got sat next to the kid that always made the biggest trouble in class because they were like, you would be the one that would rein that kid in. Right. So we get told or we get praise or we get attention from being the like quiet and always doing what we're told and always like never not talking out of turn, always raising our hand. And I think that also kind of ingrains it. And it makes us not want to not say things like to be like, Oh, I've like, I look really good. Or like, do you know what I mean? That's come off cocky or like, uh, I don't forget what the word is. I can't think of the word right now, but I think that's why more women, like you'll get a compliment, you'll give a woman a compliment and she'll be like, Oh, well, did it like, and she'll basically like shit all over your compliment yeah. over and over again. I think it kind of also stems from that as well. Yeah, that happens a lot. Like I'll compliment my wife and then she'll yeah. start bringing it down. And I'm like, just take the goddamn compliment, babe. Right. right? Like right. it's, it, it's so, it's so interesting how the female brain works in that sense. When, even when someone's directly in front of you and says something really nice, they don't even believe it. You're like, why? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, so with the women that you train that come to you with some body image issues, like what's your process to kind of help them through it? Because I don't think there's like, do this and this will happen. Like, how do you kind of coach them or guide them to the right direction? Yeah. Um, it's very organic for each person. It's a little bit differently, especially if I'm starting and it's like an in-person client, like we're always going to start like in the weight room. So it's going to be starting with lifting, especially if they've never lifted before. And then also bringing aware to them of those things, like where do you not notice that you can't take a compliment or do you not see that how negatively you are talking to yourself? So first like having them be aware of that activity and then teaching them how to like question it instead of, because you, it's never going to go away really. Like I still struggle with some things every once in a while. And I think I heard, uh, someone else was talking about how it's like this monster in your closet that at first you don't know how to battle them and you keep just trying to like to ignore it, even though they're right next to you. But then as you get better at it and you get better at battling them and you get better strategies of dealing with it, when they rear their ugly head, which they will, you just know how to now tackle it. So my goal is to help them question, like, is that true? Like, am I really that way? Or is this just a negative talk kind of a thing? And then try to replace that. Maybe not necessarily with what they're talking about. They're like talking about a body part, 
maybe you're not going to say nice things necessarily to that body part in your head right now, but you don't want you to think of like one or two really positive things about yourself that you do like to replace almost that negative thing. I think there's like a study where we have like four times more negative thoughts than we have positive thoughts in a day. Mm -hmm. And if we can kind of balance that out or combat that, it has made a huge difference in my life and a lot of my clients' lives as well. Yeah, I think like the big one too for women is I always have so much negative talk. And I've asked this question a bunch of times to certain women on my show. And I always kind of gear towards for male coaches or even like the guys listening that are fitness enthusiasts that have girlfriends or wives. And, you know, the woman in front of them says, oh, my ankles are too fat or I just feel super gross today or things like like how how should men combat that when that's right in front of them without crossing a line? I think that's a really good question. I feel like just like when you were saying, can you just take a compliment? I think that's the best way to kind of go about it. Um, because if the woman's not ready to kind of receive things and you're just like constantly being like, no, no. Like, and then you get into like this fight about like, no, you are, or no, that is really pretty on you or no, it is this way. It's not going to like help them. Like my fiance does that to me all the time. And I'm like, you're just making me more pissed off at this point. Like, can you just take it? like relax, but like being their partner and being helping them become aware of that. Like, do you not just notice how I just complimented you and I really meant it and you just completely deflected it. And then you kind of put it on that person to like, yeah, you're right. Let me do some work internally or mentally or how I'm going to process this and then go from there. I think that's the best way to kind of go about it because I'm sure you've experienced where it's almost like that thing where someone, the, your wife's like, oh, do I look fat in this? And you're kind of like, oh, shit, what do I say? What do I say? What do <laughs> yeah. I say? Like that, it's almost like a double-edged sword. So you kind of want to go into it as like, I'm your ally. I just want you to notice this. And then, you know, and then always just like a regular coach, giving positive feedback for when they do take a compliment or when they do notice something really positive about themselves and like bringing up those things instead of always pointing out the negative. Yeah, that, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Um, I'm also kind of curious too. It's like, say you're working with a client and they clearly have a lot of body image issues, maybe an eating disorder or anything like that. Have you ever had an experience where you had to like, um, maybe suggest they go see like a counselor or psychologist or anything like that? Yeah, definitely. I've had one or two clients that I was like, They've come to me and they were very much like, I am anorexic, I have bulimia, and I am straight off the bat with them. I'm like, listen, like, I don't know. I'm not a professional in that realm. So I think I'm going to do my best for you in the ways that I know how to help you, but I need you to also, and then like, I'll give them references, like check out this person, this person, this person and schedule some appointments and make some sessions and let's work together. Like let's have your two kind of health professionals, mindset, health, and you know, fitness, nutrition work together to help you. And I feel like they're always very responsive to that because and especially when you start to notice it, you're like, what's going on over there? Like, I'm not the professional when it comes to anorexia and bulimia. Like, I have to hand that ball off to somebody else. Yeah, because, like, it, it, I think for your example, it was a little bit easier because it came to you. But I'm almost curious, like, how you would approach the situation if you could clearly tell that one or two of your clients are 
in that kind of category and how do you bring up that conversation without them like getting super pissed off and you're like oh fuck you who cares you don't know anything about me like because as coaches we dabble in so many different realms that we shouldn't but it all kind of like we almost become their psychologist and you're like you clearly want to help them but you're like i don't have the tools to do so so i don't know if you have like an answer for this but for like the coaches listening like how would you go about, like, if you had the client and you saw them dealing with something and you know that they're not going to tell you, like, how do you bring up that conversation without being an asshole? Well, I feel like at that point, you should have a pretty good relationship with your client to begin with. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're a good coach, there should be trust there already. And they're paying you and they're there because they need someone to almost, like, pull out, point out their bullshit a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's... Um, it's like one of those things where you look back in your life and like the coach that usually was the hardest on you is the one that like either you were the closest with, or they were the one that like, you now look back on like, wow, now I get why they were doing that type of thing. And I feel like it's the same thing. As long as you're coming from like a loving, accepting space, like, Hey, like, is this what's going on? And be very curious and, and kind of like point out like, well, I'm seeing this and I'm seeing this and I'm seeing this. And like, do you not see how now I'm worried and I want to help you? I feel like that's the best way to go about it. But at the same time, if they get upset and they're still kind of dealing with that stuff, like that's where they are. And you can just be like, Hey, I'm still here for you. But like, I got to point this out because I care for you. And I need to like point you on your bullshit because you were say you want to get from here and I got to take you there. And we got to now deal with this situation. Yeah, that makes sense. And I kind of wanted to circle back to body image because I just, the thoughts popped into my head. Yeah. What what are some things that people can do today to kind of start their journey in the right direction to kind of stop saying negative things to themselves or like if there's something they can change in their environment to kind of, you know, settle down that monster in their closet? I feel like the biggest thing that someone could probably do is unfollow anyone that is not helping you on social media. I feel like Instagram fitness models and inspiration and stuff like that has kind of become like this three headed monster. And I know this from experience because I went through like my early twenties where the background of my phone was this like absolutely shredded, like woman from, I don't even know where. And I was like, I'm going to look like her. And I was like, if I put this on the back of my phone, it's going to remind me like, don't eat like shit, like train a little bit harder. Like you can pass up on that extra cocktail or whatever. But really what it did, it was, it made me continue to compare myself and see how much, how far away I was. And like, it just became this like festering wound almost that was not helping me get anywhere. So I feel like when people are so ready to make a change, sometimes they go in and they follow all these people. Um, And if it's not truly inspiring you, if it's not truly giving you things that are actually going to help you, like this is how you squat, this is how you know how much protein you should eat, like giving you information that you can actually use instead of just posting up pictures of abs all, all day, it's not serving you to continue to put those things in your mind that now you're going to be comparing yourself. And then the other thing I think would definitely be becoming aware of when those negative thoughts come up, like being sensitive to like, Oh snap. I just had this thought of like, look at how huge my thighs are or like whatever it is. And that's the first step is like becoming aware of that. And then questioning that, is that actually true? Like what standards am I putting that up against? Um, do those standards match my values? Like, 
dissecting that in a way where you're taking yourself and your emotions out of it, but you're looking at it as if, like, if your friend was saying those things, like, would you be like, well, that's not true because da 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 kind of a thing. Um, and then the third step would be then kind of dissecting it, kind of knowing where that's coming from, and then kind of replacing that and giving yourself some of that self-positive talk where maybe it's not always necessarily about that thing you're thinking about, but you're like, but you know what? I'm really strong and I can do five pull-ups or, you know what, this is something that I'm really proud of myself or a feature that I really love about myself. I think those are like some three big ones that anybody anywhere can kind of start with. No, that makes sense. And even like the women that I train, I tell them right from the bat, like, I don't want to weigh you in. I'll probably not do measurements for you, but I want you to think of performance goals in the gym, like doing your first chin up. And I think Dan John said, like, for a woman to be strong, like, if you can deadlift your own body weight and do a couple body weight chin-ups, you're probably going to look the way that you want to look anyway. So if you just switch that mind shift, it's just, it's going to be completely different. Right. I think that's huge, too. And that's another thing that I like um, to do is, like, switch it from, like, physique-based goals to, like, those performance goals. Yeah, because, like, your body's going to change the way it's supposed to if you're, like, if a woman can do, like, five chin-ups, like, she's going to look a freaking amazing to be able to do that. Right. And, um, I, I just hate weighing people in cause I don't think there's ever been a time in someone's life where they stepped on the scale and they're like, fuck yeah, that's the number I want to <laughs> see. Like that's never happened in the history of people stepping on scales. That is so true. And then especially for like women, like we fluctuate so quickly and so easily, like between like the time of the month and like maybe we had a little bit more carbs like you could be five pounds heavier today and literally six pounds lighter tomorrow it just is like so stupid and then it gets in our heads and it becomes like this crazy thing that you're never going to be satisfied with yeah actually that's another good question i was going to bring up is because a lot of people in the industry know that i train a lot of women i've been getting tagged on facebook on situations where male coaches are like how do i talk to my female clients about you know their women's health and I'm like, I always get like kind of outstanding. I'm like, I don't understand how you can't like, right. y- you should be able to like, I don't, I, I didn't really get it. But I think the like the best advice I gave to the couple people that tagged me in those posts, it's like, you just have to tell the female that you're training what you're learning about women's health. And then that's going to open up the roads of communication. And then yeah. they're going to start like just telling you everything. But I'm kind of curious about your advice for male coaches out there. Like, how do you, like, speak to women about their, like, health in not a creepy way, if that makes sense? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fantastic. Like, I think you definitely should be educating yourself and always kind of let your clients know that you're, like, trying to become the best for them because you care so much about them. And I feel like just like before, as long as you're coming from a space of like, I want to understand more, like questioning, like help me understand you, I think is it the best place to kind of come from. So not like obviously educate yourself, understand kind of what's going on, but then every woman's experience with all those things that now you're like, well, it should be X, Y, and Z. It's just like training. Like it should be X, Y, and Z, but then you get in the gym and you're like, but that's not really sometimes what works in general, it's the same thing with like a female's body. So having that understanding and then going to them and being like, tell me more about this, or, you know, I read about this, what's your experience and 
just trying to listen, I think is what's going to open that door to like, then you're going to hear stuff that you probably don't even want to hear. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And like, you know, after a couple years of training the same woman, for example, she'll start telling you more and more and more. And I completely believe in women's health. Like I'm surrounded with a great group of physios that only deal with pelvic floor issues. And I've learned a lot from them. And then I get excited about new knowledge. And when I tell that to my clients, they're like, oh, you actually care about women's health. Let me tell you more about what's going on with me. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, So the other thing I wanted to bring up is like the fact that you're so open with what you struggled with your life. Do you feel that you have almost like an advantage compared to the other coaches that were kind of always off athletic their entire life and they just kind of fell into training because they couldn't get into the pros, for example? Hmm. I think that's a good question. I don't know. Well, I definitely am a very, I think this is why I think I'm an introverted person is because I am very kind of guarded naturally. Like I'm not a big talker of myself. I'm not a big sharer in general. Um, and my biggest mentor, when I first kind of got into coaching, he was like, you need to cut the shit with that. He's like, you come off as superhuman to all your clients and you're not helping them. And I could not understand. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just trying to like be myself and help them. Um, and over the time as I like started like, okay, I'm going to let this secret out, which I've never told someone. And I'm going to let this one out, like on the internet, it kind of just like ripped the bandaid off. And I was just kind of like, let's do this. So I think however you can connect the best with your client, because at the end of the day, it kind of all comes down to trust. Like they need to trust in you and they need to trust in like, I don't know about this, but you tell me that it's going to work and I'm going to do it. And however you need to do that, I think is how you need to do that. So for me sharing that, because a lot of the people that I work with come from very similar places, I think does give me an advantage over other people who maybe don't come from the same situation. But I don't know if that is like an advantage everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think? Um, I'm, I'm going to be biased because the fact, because I always tell my story about how I lost 60 pounds because I was miserable about myself. I hated how I looked. Girls didn't notice me. So it was like my ultimate mission to lose that weight. And when I did, I had that experience of, you know, that misery. And now when I train clients and they were basically just like me when I first started, I know how they have to go through it and what struggles are going to get through compared to the coach that was the all-star in high school, the all-star in college, didn't make the pros for whatever sport they're playing. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to train professional athletes. They realize that they're not going to be training professional athletes because it's so competitive and they train, you know, Sally mom of three, that's 44 years old. And they still come off of this like high of like, Oh, I'm the best person in the world. But again, there's a lot of coaches that live that story, but they can connect with anybody really, really well. But I, th- I think people who've had a struggle in their life like that just kind of resonate with their clients a little bit better. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would 100% agree. I don't know if you've had this similar experience. Like when I first graduated from school and I had my CSCS and I had my degree in health and exercise science, like I came out of school, like I know everything and like, I'm the best. And I was just like a cocky little piece of shit and wasn't helping anybody for like a good year until I was like, Oh wait, 
I don't know what I'm doing, even though I had that background. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I feel like as long as someone like comes around to the fact that they're humble and like, you need to share yourself and you need to like understand that this isn't easy for people. And then it's more about like the mental piece and like believing in them and like learning how to actually coach them up. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of I was going to bring up, like, I, I think coaches in general just need to open up more of who they are because, you know, I remember when I kind of first started in the industry and I always ask my clients, like, well, what are you going to do this weekend? And they'll usually ask me what I'm doing. And I remember, like, really clearly when I told one of my clients I was going to, like, eat a burger and a couple beers and they're like, you do that? I'm like, yeah, I'm just like everybody else because, like, a lot of clients think – their coaches are these like perfect human beings that have life figured out, but really we're just the same. And a lot of coaches don't think that way. I don't think. And then your clients just kind of expect like you're the perfection. Like I need to be like you, but the more you open up, they'll notice that, Oh, you're just like me. Like I can resonate with you as well. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes when you give off that image of like perfection, they then think like they have to do all this crazy stuff for the rest of their life in order to like achieve the health, the fitness and like the energy levels and all that stuff that they want when really it's like, no, just like sacrifice a little bit now. And then I'll teach you how to maintain this and like really live a great life where you can still eat a burger and some beers and like enjoy everything. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is like, how important do you think empathy is for a coach to have? Oh, that's huge. That's yeah. so huge. Like, I, I've had experiences with, like, seeing other coaches in different gyms where they're kind of like the tough love type of coaches, and they just don't really show emotion. And that, I've always been – it's been a thing that always bugged me. And I'm like it, – it, it just bugs me because I've seen clients go through a lot of struggles with their coach – and their personalities just don't match up. And it's just like a train wreck watching it over and over again. And I'm like, God, empathy, come on. I know. It's crazy. I think I went to, I don't know if you follow Martin Rooney, but I went to yeah. his like coaching greatness. So I did it live and then I then had it online. And one of his pieces of coaching greatness, he was talking about empathy and how like he didn't have any until Sandy hit and his family basically like lost everything. And he was like, and then I got it. Like I was not an empathetic person until like I realized how to then put myself in that person's shoes and be there with them. And I, I feel like, like you were saying, when you saw the train wreck of the people that just weren't matching up, it's another one of those parts of how it builds trust is if you can't be there with your client and be in it with them, how do you expect them to like continue to trust you and, and follow you and help you help them get them to where they want to go. Like, it's just like, to me, that's just common sense. Like, I don't know if you feel the same way. That's just like being a human to another yeah. human. Yeah. Cause like, well, I can't remember where I read it, but dogs actually show empathy. And then I've met some people where I would categorize them with, with zero empathy. And I'm like, that's like ridiculous. Like that's crazy. Like you're obviously in the wrong profession, right. but I don't like, do you think you could teach someone empathy or can someone learn how to be more empathetic? I think that you can, but I think it's one of those things 
like referring back to Martin Rooney is he was like, in order to become more empathetic, you need to surround yourself with people that are very empathetic. And luckily, like one of my best friends, she's one of the most empathetic people that I know. And I definitely was not like, I'm not the most empathetic person naturally, but like, I was like, all right, so I'm going to like watch her and watch how she interacts with me when I'm having a tough time or when I'm really excited and how she interacts with the rest of our friend group. And you can kind of, it's almost like, like the monkey see monkey do like, you're like, okay, you pick up on some things and you start doing them. And then you can just like almost feel that energy connection when you start to put that in. And then from there, it's just like the gates have opened. It's almost like unlocking the door. Okay. Like I don't think you can learn it in like a course or a class. Yeah. Sense. Now that makes sense. And like, I think that I can't remember what, who came up with that idea, but it's like the the five people that you hang out with the most, you're going to be the sum of who they are. Yeah. And yeah, if you surround yourself with, you know, assholes, you're going to probably be an asshole. So right. you got to find new friends, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up is like, why do you think weight loss for the general population is so difficult? Because you know, I've been in this industry for eight years and I've seen a lot of people fail at weight loss. And I've always like thought to myself, you know, maybe some people are just destined to be good at it. And maybe some people are just never going to do it. And I'm kind of curious of like, what do you think is like the biggest struggle for people and what's kind of the leading cause for them not to be successful? I feel like there's like three parts to this because the first part I feel like is just general information overload. Like there's information everywhere. So if someone wants to lose weight, what do they do? They probably go to Google and they're going to get like, you should eat paleo. No, you should eat keto. No, you should be having carbs. No, you should do internet, like intermittent fasting. So they get like all this information and they don't really know where to start or what to do, or they're just constantly hopping from one strategy to the next, never really letting them work. I think another piece of that is the expectations and the comparison component. Like you're now so, I don't know if your Facebook feed, but I see it all the time is full of before and after 24 seven. It's like five weeks, they lost 35 pounds. And it's these ridiculous things that they're trying to push. And then people are like, Oh, that's normal. That's normal to lose that amount of weight in such short amount of time. So when they get two or three weeks into that and they notice they're not matching up to what they should be, they're like, Oh, well fuck this. Like, why am I doing this when really none of that's realistic? Um, and then I think the last part is because of that, sometimes people just aren't really ready or willing to put in the work. I feel like for the long term, because I'm definitely a person that wants to approach it from let's do something that's going to be sustainable. Because when you look at the big picture, say it takes you six months to a year to a year and a half to lose the weight that you want to lose, but then you have the rest of your life at that weight. What would you rather take? Um, but I don't, I feel like because of that expectation, that comparison, people, those before and afters aren't always like willing to do that. That makes sense. What, Honestly, I mean, like, you, sorry. I said, what do you think? Um, I think it, one, it's like an individual thing, but for the most part, I think a lot of people don't know how much they need to sacrifice in order for the idea in their head of how they want to look is supposed to like how much work they have to actually put in for it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, when they see those before and afters, they or like 
even if you go to like a movie theater and you start watching like an action movie and you have the lead role of a guy and there's always that scene where he's like shirtless and ripped to shreds and you start seeing that always and you're like that's how I'm supposed to look if I work out and you know you start going through the process of going to the gym you're trying to eat healthy but not really and then you like you know after two months you're like shit it's not working I don't have a six-pack what the hell? This is supposed to happen. And then you go, oh, fuck this. But I don't think a lot of people know how much they need to sacrifice to look like the way they want to look. It's yeah. a lot of freaking work. I know. And I'm also curious, because a lot of the clients that I talk to, they actually don't want to look like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, that'd be awesome. But, like, let's be realistic here. Like, I just want to, like, feel good in a bathing suit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. girl, let's do this. Like, we can definitely do that, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be work, but it's not gonna be the kind of work that you need to do to look like a physique model. Yeah, and I think also too is like, I don't think they prioritize it high enough. They think it's just like something they just need to show up to, and it's just gonna happen. But yeah. I always tell people like, if you have the four burners on your oven, that's like the four priorities you can have in your life going at the same time. And if fitness and health is not one of them, then you're not going to see the you know result or expectation you have in your head unless you put it up on there. Because a lot of times people have like, oh, I got to take care of my kids, I got to do this thing for work, and now I'm selling my house, or I'm also getting divorced, and I have this going on, and blah blah blah, and I just got a puppy, and I'm like, what the hell is going on in my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. But I love that analogy too. That's amazing. Yeah. But I feel like that's, like, normal for people. Like, sometimes I think it's hard for us as, like, coaches and trainers to understand that they don't eat, live, and breathe it like we do. And how they prioritize it, like, if it's one of the top four, how they prioritize it into their top four might be different than how we do. And I think that's kind of what I meant by, you know, when we – sit down and we really talk about what is it that you really want? Like, what is it that you want to feel like? And then we can kind of deduce like how you're going to look and how your lifestyle is going to look. Um, it's not always like, I want to have six pack abs and I want to have shredded arms and I don't look like I'm about to step on stage. It's like, no, like I want that to be a priority, but I also want to be able to do my other three things too, and not have my life revolve around that. And I think, like you were saying, people don't realize how much work it takes to look like one of those people. Like, that's going to be, like, your major priority if you want it to look like that. And I think this would be great to get into the next question is, like, how do you coach? Because I'm always curious with when I, you know, interview people on my podcast, and they're all over parts of different parts of the world. And, you know, we all kind of think alike, but everyone's system's a little bit different. So I'm kind of curious if, like, you had a brand new person sign up with you, like, what's your you know, system or method? Like, what do you do with that individual? The first thing I usually do is I go over like some assessments. Um, so I want to see kind of if we're doing like a nutrition training kind of combination in person, like I want to see how are you eating now? Like no judgment, like tell me exactly what's going on. So then we can take like the next minimal effective dose when it comes to nutrition, like what's the next step that's going to be really easy for you to do, but that's going to make the biggest impact. And then same thing like with training, like I'm going to go in there and we're going to do something like similar to the FMS screen, but not necessarily the FMS screen itself. 
And then I just want to make it a combination of like everything. Like I want it to be fun. Like I want them to feel like they're learning new stuff and like doing quote unquote cool shit, even though 90 to 95% of the time we're doing the stuff that like they need to get to their goals. Um, I don't know if that like answers your question or not. No, it does. And like, we can start peeling more layers, but, um, how do you like to coach nutrition? Like, what do you suggest your clients do? I'm, um, I'm a big believer in the precision nutrition kind of methodology. So I'm like a PN certified nutrition coach. Mm-hmm. So I'm like big on like habit-based stuff because like I said before, like what's the point of doing all this work if you're not going to be able to sustain it forever or like for pretty much a really, really long time. So the first place that I want to go is like habits. Like what are the like, like the big five foundational habits that we need to teach you and that you need to basically ingrain into your life so that then we can take the next step. So usually I'll put them through kind of like a habit-based thing where each week or every couple of weeks we're focusing on a habit, whether it's like that palm size of protein, whether it's two fistfuls of uh, vegetables at every meal or like water, like the very foundational, like super simple stuff that I want to make sure is happening every single day like day in, day out, like brushing your teeth. And then from there, like if, when they're ready for that, I'll take the next step and we'll do like macronutrient prescription or um, something more where it's more in depth of like tracking their, their macros or their calories. Um, but I don't want to bring anybody there just because, or bring anybody there too soon. Um, I want to make sure that it's, it's the right next step for them. No, I really like um, like Precision Nutrition's idea of habits, and you can do that for anything in life, and it just makes sense to me. Like when I find something that makes like a lot of sense for the general population, I just run with it, and I do that the same way when I have a client come into my gym and they want to sign up. I will literally tell them to only do one day a week to just get started, because I tell this story to every new person that comes in. I've had one client come in. They're like, I want to sign up five days a week. I'm like, awesome. When was the last time you worked out five days a week? Never. Let's start with one, right? Like, I'm the worst salesman ever, but all, every single client I've had, I've done the same thing. I got them to start with one day a week, ingrain that habit, and then they come to me and be like, you know what? I'm ready for another day. And then just, you know, one by one, you layer it with small habits, and now they're like hooked, like, exercise is just part of their life. Right. Exactly. And that's kind of how I want those habits with nutrition to feel too. Like it's just super easy. I don't even think about it anymore. Yeah, honestly. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, like I always forget to ask this to my guests, but I'm going to like try to remember. And I've literally said this (laughs) at least like four or five times in like random episodes, but what would your spirit animal be and why? Oh, I love this question. <laughs> okay, yeah. This literally was a question that I asked my, um, my like senior professor. This is like my <laughs> senior year, Dr. Fagenbaum. He's like a leader in like childhood obesity and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were going around the first class. Sorry, this is a complete tangent, but like I'm pumped up now. And he was like, all right, so you guys get to ask me one question so we can get to know each other. And I was like, I'm ready. So my hand goes up. He was like, all right, what's your question? I'm like, Dr. Fagenbaum, what is your spirit animal? And everyone was like, who is this chick? Like, who is here? Like, what the heck? Um, I forget what he said, but I just, like, remember, like, everybody just started nice. dying. And he was like, that's so random. <laughs> no, my spirit animal would definitely be a humpback whale, a hundred percent. Oh, okay. Um, I just think they're like massive and they're beautiful and they're like so gentle and like loving and they 
have like groups of other whales and they just kind of like hang out in the sea. Um, I don't know. Every time, I don't know if you've heard of this Netflix documentary. It's called Tales by Light. No. Uh, watch it. It's pretty cool. So it's like this guy who follows around different photographers and you get to see how they develop like the shots that you see and like the experience behind it. And the first episode was this episode of this guy who does like ocean photography and it was whales. And I tell my clients to watch it all the time and it like moved me to tears, but they're like, we watched it and there's like nothing to cry about. And I was like, I don't know what it is. Like whales are just like my, my people. Like, I don't know. (laughs) That's awesome though. But like from all the guests that I've had on the show and I asked them this question, it's always something to do with like a bird or some sort of flight thing. So when you said humpback whale, I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> what would you pick? Who's your spirit animal or what is your spirit animal? Um, I always think about the duck. And the reason why is like when a duck is swimming on water, at the top it is so calm, but underneath his little feet are going like 100 miles an hour and just working it just so his top looks smooth and calm. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. That's a good one, too. Um, people aren't like, I'm a tiger. I'm like, a yeah. um, So very last question. Where can people find you online? Do you have any projects coming out? And anything else you want to plug on my show, you can. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, they can find me at CourtneyAmbergFitness.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook. It's just Courtney Amberg Fitness. And then my, like, flagship nutrition habit-based program that we were kind of, like, talking about before where I teach people how to do those fundamental nutritional habits that anyone who's lost weight and kept the weight off have learned to ingrain into their lifestyle. Um, it's called the 8-Week Nutrition Course. And you can find that at the number 8-Week. Wait. Yeah, 8weeknutrition.com. I'm like, what is it? It's number 8weeknutrition.com. Awesome. So thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. This was awesome. It was great to uh, to talk to you. And I'm, I'm excited that you're a duck and I'm the whale underneath the duck. <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap up episode 124 with Courtney. Hopefully you enjoyed that one. And I apologize if my energy wasn't in this episode because I was fighting a horrible, horrible cold. And I would have to mute my microphone every time Courtney talked just to cough and get all the crap out of me before I answered, got into my next uh, question. So hopefully it wasn't too much of a drag. I tried my best. And if you guys have any feedback, questions, thoughts, concerns, feel free to reach out. And please, 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 please share this podcast with your friends and family and everywhere on social media. And I'll keep bringing amazing guests on this show to give you great information. Until next time, you guys.